Welcome to Psych World. We help you navigate the emerging psychedelic market. We do this by keeping you up to date with the latest market moves and news. My name's Taylor, and I'm with my co-host Megan today. Hey, what's up, guys? This is our second weekly episode of the series where we want to explore and learn all about this new and emerging industry and use this podcast to follow the growth of the psychedelic stock market. Real quick, this is not financial advice. This is not health advice. This is just us exploring the psychedelic stock market and learning together. I know barely anything about stocks in general, and I'm here to ask all the silly questions so you guys don't have to. In this episode, we talk about the origins of psychedelics, the current therapeutic use, and the possible future of psychedelic medicine. I don't know, when do you think that therapeutics were used or psychedelics were used as therapeutics? Probably like ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt, yeah. I mean like, so just basically when civilization got together and really got going. Yeah, I think probably around the time um, where people started to question like what life is and like God, That's pro- I think that's probably when people started experimenting with psychedelics do you think they do you think that maybe before that that people stumbled upon them accidentally oh yeah for sure i definitely think it was an accident well no one can know for sure but i was reading a paper the other day and they were theorizing that psychedelic therapeutics traced back nine thousand years ago they're using oh it was in algeria and they used these cave paintings to like They were saying how these cave paintings were depicting a psychedelic experience and you know those cave paintings dated back 9,000 years so that's how they came up with that one there's been a lot of different discoveries recently historic discoveries and artifacts that have you know shown that people have been using psychedelics for thousands of years obviously i mean that's kind of known but it's cool cool to have that proof question yeah um what did what did the um drawings look like that made them think that they were having a psychedelic experience oh so there was like the paper said that there was like thousands of drawings but he picked out a few drawings that they thought really you know really illustrated the psychedelic experience or they were depicting mushrooms that the whole paper basically went through and said that the the mushrooms or the shapes that the the humanoids were holding they wait humanoids yeah i mean they they were like really crude drawings of humans so they just call them humanoids okay uh, gotcha. The humanoids were holding these shaped, these mushroom shapes, and those same mushroom shapes are known still to this day to be psychedelic mushrooms, you know, that grow in the local area. So that's how they made that connection. Scientists were able to tell from the drawing, like the shape of the, the mushrooms, like that are local to that region. Yeah, they connected the. And then they confirmed they're psychedelic. Right. So they identified them as psilocybe marii. And these are psychedelic mushrooms native to the region, and the the mural was seven thousand to nine thousand year old, years old. So wow, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Pretty, yeah, I think one of the most interesting things that I read recently was in northern Peru there was this stone carving of this deity, and she was holding, uh, and she was holding the San Pedro cactus, which is the uh, mescaline. Oh my gosh, I forgot about mescaline. Have you ever done mescaline? Mm. No, actually I haven't. No, me either. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I just like forgot about it because it doesn't get brought up very often. Do you think that like the significance of the deity holding the cactus, do you think it was a therapeutic use back then? Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. I, I think for sure that 
I don't know if therapeutic is the right word for back then, but I think cathartic is a better word. And I'll tell you why. Just because I think that therapeutic indicates some sort of like background of like health. And I feel like back then it was more of just like a a cleansing or religious experience, which I feel like is more cathartic. Yeah. Okay. So they didn't have research. You know, that's literally, we didn't have research all the way until a year ago or even, you know, it's not even FDA hundred percent, you know, descheduled. So yeah, I guess we won't know that even until a couple of years, you know, right. Or more. But yeah, I think personally, I would, I would say that, you know, since obviously these mental ailments and some of these ailments that a lot of these people have today, they're not new ailments. So no, they were definitely trying to find these creative ways to, you know, like you said, even if it was cathartic, but yeah, I would believe that they obviously were carving, you know, this plant that they found it to be valuable enough or, you know, they wanted to show it off enough and to display it that they made a statue of it. I think that, um, like you, like you just said that, you know, we don't even know yet the benefits that these psychedelic compounds can have, um, as a therapeutic, like substance to help people go through things. But I think that's also, we're in the middle of like a cultural shift. So that's the reason why like these compounds can even be on the road to being fully legalized is because I feel like for so long mental health wasn't even considered real health like it wasn't as important as your overall physical health so now it's becoming more commonplace for mental health to be considered just as important as a a physical ailment so I guess I'm backtracking a little because that would make something cathartic kind of therapeutic in that way if it's like a spiritual experience well i say what you were explaining is the western use of psychedelics hasn't been explored the same as other parts of the world either um maybe these other parts of these other countries are these ancient cultures maybe they actually did know the therapeutic use of some of these but you know throughout time there obviously was some kind of shift in western medicine where these psychedelics were like not seen as no medical value so they had you know so even though they maybe these ancient populations were using them for therapeutic uses they immediately dismissed them you know for whatever reasons you know yeah that makes total sense but now it's like a return to the classic is kind of what we're seeing now in a very short period of time you know they were completely just taken off the market they were just completely hidden from research um but before that thousands of years people use them all throughout the world in different cultures for different reasons so it's you know it's hard to say it's been taboo for our generation or our lifetime and that's finally lifting but you know the whole history of civilization i bet people have been doing and seeing the doctor or the shaman yeah for sure for thousands of years and this that was like the only thing they had access to and you know psychedelics are powerful everyone knows that yeah it's it's strange to think about the perspective that prior generations might have on psychedelics in general um like how we view them as something that like you did it with your friends but it's crazy to think about like 
the perspective of others um previous generations civilizations and just other existing cultures how they might look at it as something that the elders do or something that's only the wise partake in or something that um the most enlightened people like in their culture do to like to to like contact i don't know maybe their ancestors or something it's just like trippy to think about it <laughs> it's trippy <laughs> it's trippy to think about it like that when you put it in those terms you know I guess what happened was it quickly became very scientific. It jumped from like the 1400s all the way to the 1800s. All of a sudden they were science like really started. I think it's always been the spiritual thing for sure. And I think it always will be, but there's definitely that aspect that's not going to go away is going to be the experimentation now. So they have these plants and now we have science to add to that you know and that's always going to be a debate in this area but i think that's why we have research so we're pretty sure that you know after finding depictions of psychedelic experiences and actual compounds and statues of psychedelic things we know that this stuff has been around for a very long time and we also know that the big boom in the science boom in the 1800s and the early 1900s you know, that didn't slow down psychedelic research at all. It happened all the way until the 1960s, up until prohibition, um, you know, of all kinds of drugs, you know, and during the, the war on drugs. But and that's why there's been some kind of psychedelic renaissance starting in the early 1990s. I read somewhere people who like tripped and had psychedelic experiences actually had overall lower suicide rates than people who didn't. Have you ever... Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, I've heard of that. I wonder why, I guess. Because, I mean, I've I've had psychedelic experiences before, and I always feel like I come out of them being wiser and, like, happier than I was going into them. But I, it's just... I, I still don't know. Do you think it's chemical? Like, do you think it's a chemical thing? Or do you think it's, um, like, nature versus nurture, I guess? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it something you're experiencing when you trip? that makes you feel like happy when you come out of it or is it chemical what do you think you know i'm not a medical doctor obviously but i have read that these tryptamines they do react and they do interact with the same serotonin receptors as ssris i think it might have a combination to do with you know these these molecules that are found in these plants and these fungi they are lighting up these certain areas of the brain that maybe haven't been lit up in a lot of the research is about neuroplasticity. You know, increasing your neuroplasticity allows your brain to create new pathways. And so you can actually create, uh, you can break old habits and you can rewire your brain to think a different way, which is the root, you know, of a lot of mental ailments. Uh, you know, if you, could, if you could just take a plant, if you could have some psychotherapy with that and you could, you know, you could rewire your brain in a few sessions, you know, some people even say a single session, to at least think differently you know that's a breakthrough that's a huge breakthrough yeah <clears throat> i mean that makes sense the brain is really amazing um and it, it, i believe fully it has the ability to repair itself just like any other part of the body yeah the the research definitely shown recently that these tryptamines and these psychedelics indeed do increase neuroplasticity like and that helps you your brain rewire into different thought patterns yeah even um even like 
lion's mane mushrooms, which are like non psychedelic, but yeah. those also in I, what are they called? My tropics or um, cordyceps? They're cordyceps that are in lion's mane, right? Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, but those they are supposed to yeah. increase your neuroplasticity as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic. There's these other compounds that are found that are, you know, therapeutically beneficial. That's actually a huge section and a huge sector that's going to be part of this because inevitably as they research these plants, they're going to be finding these different compounds that, you know, I think are going to have therapeutic benefits that are going to be unknown right now. I'm just wondering how genetically similar the non-psychedelic mushrooms are <clears throat> um, to the psychedelic mushrooms. Like... No, if, like the there is other mushrooms. Like you were you were saying, how lion's mane contains right non psychoactive compounds that are you know increase cordyceps. Yeah, they increase neuroplasticity. Right, but I'm saying yeah. in these psychedelic mushrooms, right, there's compounds that exist in them. Which one makes you trip? Like psilocybin, right? Obviously, psilocybin's yeah. the trippy one. Yeah, well, your body converts psilocin to psilocybin, but yeah. Okay. You know, I think that there could be a future, you know, that goes beyond the current use of psychedelics and the current and the past use that we know psychedelics when what they can do and how powerful they are. And so I think research is going to bring about that these smaller isolate compounds, I think they're going to come out and we're going to know the therapeutic benefits behind some of these compounds that were maybe trace amounts in some of these plants. And we're going to see exactly what they do and, and how they can help us in mental health or how they can help us in, you know, in our health in general. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it, that'll definitely help the market also, because then it's just opening up even broader horizons than just the psychedelic mushrooms um, and the stock surrounding them. It's just like, well, just imagine if they found these compounds like this company, SciBio. They're trying to isolate, you know, I was doing research on them recently for the last show and, you know, they're trying to find these compounds and isolate these compounds that are in trace amounts in these plants, you know, and what if they found, uh, you know, a compound that we didn't necessarily even understand or we didn't even know that was part, a major part of this and that increased neuroplasticity, but didn't cause hallucinogenic effects yeah no i think that's awesome i think that at that point there would effectively be no reason to be prescribing ssris and man-made compounds to to people if there's something we can find in nature that's going to produce the same effects without producing any mind-altering effects or dependency issues like what are we doing you know like that's if it if it can help people in a safe way in a more natural way I definitely think there's a future for that 100 percent yeah i can envision a future where you know you found these smaller trace compounds where this this compound's good for increasing and rewiring you know a specific mental ailment like a brain trauma maybe for this one or some some type of ptsd or a depression for this specific one you know i don't know i think that a lot of more research needs to be done but I don't know. I feel like that could be a future that we could see, you know. Yeah. So it's like more of like the stuff that's really going to help you repair the, that valuable brain matter <laughs> that you have, for lack of a better term, and like less of the things that are actually going to um, increase your your disorientation and like your grip on reality. I mean, I'm here for it, like 100%. That's a huge, huge thing. Yeah, for sure. Especially if these um, compounds that help increase that neuroplasticity would 
actually repair the brain. So eventually people wouldn't have to take them anymore. I think that's why they're becoming legal. And I think that's why people are seeing the benefit is because they could be, you know, this could be the future of mental health care. And it's not just my opinion. There's research that says, you know, they've cured people or they've cured depression or they've cured different things. And we're now seeing the science and the reasons why that's happening. Do you think Big Pharma is going to let that happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I think we're so new in this psychedelic space that pharma, Big Pharma hasn't actually even stepped in yet. And so a lot of these a lot of these companies like Cybin and Compass that do have these larger market caps, they do have large fundings, but they're trying to discover these drugs on their own. And I think later that this market is is going to be ripe for acquisitions. You'll you'll see like you know like Sci-Bio, they have like a smaller market cap like 50 million market cap, 60 million market cap. You know, this company could find a few compounds and be great for like an acquisition from an actual large pharma company that once legalization hits and these compounds are uh descheduled and they're regulated that these big pharma companies will feel a lot more comfortable buying patents and buying these compounds and so i think that a lot of these companies that is the way forward is it's going to be these bigger companies are going to develop their own drugs and these smaller companies are going to also find these drugs and hope for acquisition so what needs to happen for these acquisitions to happen you said the legislation needs to be changed yeah i think that's the next step is is to let everyone you know come in on an equal playing field and you know, you reschedule these drugs so you can research and you can also participate in the market. Where are we at in that process right now? Like, where is it legal currently? And and what states are up for, um, like, what states are having a vote on it soon, you know? Um, Florida actually is trying to pass some legislation in their Senate. Uh, we have Texas trying to pass some stuff in their house and their state stuff um we got one state is fully legalized that's oregon and then we have nine cities as of october 21st um i think philadelphia is like the next city and there's a few other cities that are going to vote on it this coming november like really soon like what would be the best time to buy into in this uh market well i can't give financial advice but (laughs) this is definitely a long-term investment uh where you know, you're going to want to accumulate companies that you believe have a clear vision for the future. So I don't think any one legislation or one state legalizing or one city legalizing is going to necessarily pump your entire bag and make you rich overnight. But as you see these cities and these states legalizing, you can be more confident to accumulate more, you know. Okay, that makes sense. See, I'm not like a trader or anything, so I don't really know how these things work. Yeah, seeing these cities decriminalize is definitely a bullish sentiment. Okay, bullish is good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, bullish is good. You know, the fact that these companies are already researching smaller trace molecules, they're learning new extraction methods for existing molecules, and the fact that it's not even legal everywhere, it's decriminalized, um, you know, there's still so much potential ahead. 
you know, I would just wrap it up and just say that the future is super bright for this, you know, and the future of mental health and the future of treating mental health uh, is going to be drastically different, in my opinion, in the next five to 10 years. And um, that's why we made this channel. We want to get everyone interested in that. And, you know, if you are interested in that, you can actually invest in it. So, yeah, hope you guys have a good day. Hope you guys got to listen to this. All right. Peace. Bye, guys.